righty. If you will just give me one second to post on social media that we're live, we will begin this review and discussion. Alrighty. And with that, let's get this show on the road. Before I begin, though, I'd like to take all of you into the distant past. 2010. Yours truly has just gotten his very first Xbox 360. And he was excited to play some of the biggest games that had just came out that year with his friends, Halo Reach and Call of Duty Black Ops. However, Little Wes had been reading on the internet about this little tiny game made without any big studio support called Super Meat Boy. Along with those games, I got an Xbox gift card for Christmas. I figured, why not try it out? I've heard lots of good things about it. So I downloaded it. I played it. And let me tell you, I absolutely fell in love. I, even though I was dying over and over, had never played difficult games before that point. It was a brand new experience, and I just got to say, it was amazing. And when I managed to get to the end of each level, it was so satisfying. Now, I know that game is completely different from Celeste. They're two different games. But I want to tell you this story for two reasons. One, show you where my love of indie gaming began. And two, let you guys know this really is the closest thing to having a Super Meat Boy 2 that I've ever seen in the past 11 years. For those of you who haven't heard of Celeste yet or haven't gotten a chance to play it yet, it's an indie platformer originally released in January of 2018, developed and published by Extremely OK Games, directed by Maddie Thorson, programmed with her along with the help of Noel Berry. So, tell you what the game's like, let me just describe an early scene what happens. Our main character's name is Madeline, and she goes through a few screens with uh, some relatively simple platforming, you know, nothing too bad. But during one of them, a piece of ice nearly falls on her and kills her. She tells Granny, someone who lives at the base of the mountain, she might want to get that issue looked at. To which Granny replies, If my driveway almost did you in, the mountain might be a bit much for you. And let me tell you guys, Granny's not lying. Each screen will likely see you die a few times before you move on to the next. Good news is each screen acts kind of like its own bite-sized level within the chapter. This means you never lose much progress over just a single death, and there is practically no loading times between when you start again. So and trust me, while there might be a few screens that are going to make you angry, boy does it feel good when you make it to the next one. There are seven main chapters to the story, with an epilogue that wraps it up well. I'm going to work to avoid major spoilers for you guys, but I do want to talk a little bit about the cast that appears in this game. I've already introduced our main character, Madeline, who has one goal and one goal only for the purposes of this game, climbing Celeste Mountain, the mountain which gives this game its name. However, at the end of Chapter 1, it is revealed that Madeline suffers from panic attacks when she has a phone call with her mother. And from here, it makes the message of this game not very subtle, but one that's needed. This whole thing is a metaphor for what it's like having to live with mental illness and having to live with depression and anxiety. And Madeline climbing this mountain 
shows her being able to overcome this. We've also introduced Granny already, a sarcastic old woman who, in her own special way, encourages your path up this mountain. While climbing the mountain, you also get to meet Theo, a fellow climber from Seattle, who's obsessed with taking selfies of special occasions. So, at the end of some of the chapters, he will take a picture with Madeline, marking the occasion, and it really feels like a great way to end all your hard work getting through the chapter. One thing I find great is the fact that, really, you could skip a lot of the Theo scenes. Most of them are optional. You building your relationship with him is completely optional, but if you go through with it, it's going to be worth it. Then there's Mr. Oshiro, who owns an abandoned hotel that you have to help him clean up. Uh, he panics a lot. And he's trying really hard to get you to stay at this hotel. And at the end, it shows Madeline really caring for others and showing that she does truly want to help. And finally, to round out our cast of characters, we've got the personification of Madeline's mental illness the fan base has dubbed Madeline. During the game's runtime, you can learn a little more about the relationship between Madeline and Madeline and what they kind of had to go through in order the process of getting through this. So we've talked a little bit about the story. Let's talk about the gameplay, because ultimately this is a game, not just a story. Madeline can only do three basic options to traverse. She can jump, she can climb, and she can dash. In a world of games where it feels like everyone's an unstoppable badass, it really does feel nice to have a relatively grounded character in Madeline. There are lots of difficult games out there, but even though the world around you is hard, you are also super strong. It's just that the world around you is also difficult. This world is difficult, but Madeline is very much human. She can only dash once uh, before she lands on the ground again. Uh, she can climb, but only for a little amount of time before she runs out of stamina. And her jump doesn't take you very far on its own. But despite her limitations, each screen is perfectly designed so that it can work around your hindrances. As you go through the chapters, there will also be various items that help you traverse, such as blocks that shoot you forward, blocks that you can dash through, and feathers that let you fly freely. Sometimes, however, what needs to be done is not immediately obvious just by looking at the screen. Some screens, you might actually want to analyze what you see before you move on to actually try and go through it. Because of this, I've heard a lot of people describe it as a puzzle platformer, and I gotta say, that's actually a pretty accurate description for the most part. Stopping and thinking is more important than fast reflexes in some points of this game. In this sense, it's a lot like climbing a mountain in that if you are the most muscular person in the world, but you don't know the optimal path up a mountain, it actually does make it a lot harder. Similarly, while your fast reflexes aren't as important as analysis sometimes, they do come in handy. If you have noodle arms, you're not going to climb a mountain no matter what you know the path is. So ultimately, this game has the fine balance between analysis and reaction. The game does also include a lot of optional collectibles, too. Each chapter has a plethora of strawberries that you can collect, although the game does make it perfectly clear that these are just for fun. You do not have to get them if you think it's going to make it too hard for you. What actually does alter gameplay in a significant way are the hidden B-side cassette tapes that unlock harder versions of each of the chapters if you collect them. Playing through these will collect you a red heart, which helps you reach the final two chapters of the game, both of which happen after the main story. So here's where I'm going to have to make a little bit of a confession to you guys. And 
if it makes you disregard this review, I'm sorry, but I do have to let you guys know this. I have not gotten a chance to play through the B-sides or finish all of them or even find all the cassette tapes at the time of recording this review. I'm sorry, I'm doing my best, but I am one person who has a job and class trying to review a game a week, so sometimes I'd have to take little shortcuts here. I'm trying to take that into account and try to score fairly. So I will tell you this much, though. Once the credits rolled, uh, I really, really wanted to go forward and keep doing it. So if that's any indicator, even though I haven't played them, the fact that I still want to go through it, tell you what this game's like, then I think that's a pretty good sign. Now, the collectibles are amazing, and the fact that you they don't change anything, at least not the strawberries, but rather make the challenge optional, I think is brilliant design. It allows you to make your own fun, and a big part of this game is making your own challenge and not taking more than you genuinely believe you can handle. And I gotta say, the design of this game, they did an amazing job doing that. And one thing, it'd be a sin against humanity not to talk about how good this was in the game, was the art and the music throughout. Despite being pixelated throughout most of it, the levels are so beautiful, they're not afraid to use vibrant colors or colors that at least accurately set the mood. When you're climbing the mountain at night, it's more dark. When you're at the base of the mountain during day, everything is bright and vivid. When you're in the middle of the creepy hotel, there are lots of shades of red and black that do everything. And this soundtrack, written by Lena Rain, is awesome. If you have a Spotify account, it's available on Spotify. I was streaming it actually myself as I was writing up my script for this review. And it really helped set the mood and made sure I had my head in the right space to talk about this. So it's beautiful. On top of that, during the dialogue in the game, you actually do get to see hand-drawn versions of all the characters with a little bit of animation and doing their own Animal Crossing-style speech pattern. And there are a lot of indie games out there where, to me at least, it feels like the reason they did pixelation and all the not-actual dialogue might have been to help cut costs. But it really fit with Celeste, you know? Nothing felt out of place. Nothing felt like it was a corner cut. Everything felt like it was there because that's how it wanted to be. Now, as of the downsides, I have two very minor complaints and one that's going to be a little bit harsher. The two minor complaints are, for me personally, I found it a little confusing at first that dash and jump weren't on the same button. Maybe it's just years of video games teaching me to double jump by pressing the jump button twice, but on Xbox, it is A to jump, X to dash. So, for me, it took a little bit getting used to for that. Now, I will say this. There are certain screens that actually are designed around the fact that dash and jump are not the same button. And when you play those, you will know them. So, I'm not going to criticize it harshly at all for that. Because, like I said, each screen is designed so perfectly. And that one minor little flaw, I can't complain too much. And another one, and again, this is minor, please keep this in mind, is that if you only care about the main campaign, it is a little, and I mean a little bit on the short side. But ultimately, there is plenty to do after the main campaign that, honestly, when I get a chance, I do plan on going through myself. Now, here is where I'm going to have one major complaint that I do have to tell you guys, 
and that is the fact that two whole chapters of the game are locked off behind hidden collectibles. Now, maybe they have very little to do with the story, and I just haven't spoiled myself yet, and I should have done that. But the fact that these are hidden, and the fact that I went through the whole main campaign without getting one of them, really doesn't sit well with me, if I'm being 100% honest. If instead they had tied it to the number of strawberries you had collected, because you see the strawberries the whole time, I'd feel very different about that. I know that might go against what I said about the optional challenge, but ultimately, locking behind two chapters behind a something that's hidden, personally, I just didn't care too much for that. Now, like I said, I very much want to go through and find all of them. So I'm going to play through those last chapters one day, and I will tell you I know I'm going to enjoy them if they're even close to as fun as the main campaign of this story is. Because like I said, every moment is satisfying. If I can go back to the good for just a little bit, hopefully I'm not spoiling too much for you guys, but during the last chapter of where you're actually climbing, there's one bit towards the end where you're at the checkpoint flag. And you see it has the number 30. As you go on, the next one says 29. The next one says 28. And you feel it's the game itself encouraging you, pushing you on. As satisfying as it is to get to the end of a regular screen, when you can see an actual countdown saying that you're on your way to the summit of this mountain that you've worked so hard to climb, it makes a huge difference. And I remember I actually had to leave for work right before uh, I was finishing. I believe I was on checkpoint number 10. And I felt actual emotional pain having to take myself away from this game. I was loving the experience so much. This wasn't just a, I got to get off the Xbox now. This was, I don't want to go away from this, but I know I have to. And I just want you guys to know that this is one of the best games I've played in a long time. It really was. So now it's time to make a decision for the scores. If anyone uh, heard the last review I did, you might have heard that I do two different points for your time and for your money. But recently, I discovered I should probably add a third one. And whether or not you take it as seriously as those other two uh is up to you but i do think it's one that matters for a lot of people and that is for your space because some people out there have data caps on their internet they can't download a lot without it charging extra to them and even if you don't have a data cap uh extras or uh, external hard drives cost money they're not cheap so as a result i think you should take that at least somewhat into consideration so now let's go into the scores For your time, it's hard for me to think of a single person that I can't recommend this game to. If you love difficult games or hate them, this truly is an experience I want everyone to go through. For your time, I give it a 10 out of 10. For your space, this game only comes in at about 1.5 gigabytes. That's not a hard hit on any data cap or external hard drive. For your space... I give this another 10 out of 10. For your money, though, you know, despite all the praise I have for it, 
I really don't think I'm going to be buying this game once it's off Game Pass. Because I was actually fortunate enough to get it back when it was a Games with Gold. However, I strongly recommend getting it while it's available to anyone who wasn't that fortunate. At $20, I'll say the main campaign alone, if that's all you care about, might, and I mean might, seem a little short, depending on how you value your time. It's only about eight hours long, but I will tell you, it's a damn good eight hours. If you want to try to get to those last two chapters, uh, you are going to have to play a little extra. So that's up to you to decide how much you value your time going past that, or how much you value your money going past that. I give it for your money a 9.5 out of 10. So you guys really requested I peak early if you requested I review Celeste. Well, for that, though, I'm going to have to thank you because you might have found me a new favorite game, or at least one of my new favorites. I'm genuinely surprised I left it in my backlog this long. And so, to the people who requested this, the Gaming Together podcast and Intergalactic Pinecone on Twitter, I thank you guys. To everyone listening, I hope you all have a fantastic day, and I bid you all an amazing week. If you have any requests... Feel free to tell them to me at SMGSLT on Twitter. That's at SMGSLT for so many games, so little time. Thank you and have a great day.